from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Welcome in to the flagship podcast. We're getting after it. And we got uh, we got a really special guest today, Connor Williams, former Longhorns All-American offensive lineman, now with the Dallas Cowboys. But first, let me introduce uh, the fearless leader of this operation, the managing editor of Horns247.com. And we call her T-Ball because, you know, she was uh, – Basically the punching bag of her older brothers, but that's why she's so tough and she can handle being the uh, the leader of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chip. How about you? I am doing great. I went to the Ice Cube concert this weekend. Where was it? It was it was actually in in Dripping Springs at Nutty Brown Cafe, which is The Country like Bar? Normally- yeah, it's like normally a country spot. Huh. And How that? It, you know what? It was packed. It was packed. So you had a bunch of middle-aged people like me mm-hmm. uh, getting their ice cube on. And, of course, he had to be fashionably late. So, like, all the opening acts went on. And then, like, 40 minutes later, just nothing of – 40 minutes of nothing going on, Ice Cube came out. And he was great. He was He was locked in, but – um, there's a sound ordinance in Dripping Springs at, at 11, so he was <laughs> kind of ensured that his set would be like just just a little over an hour. But yeah. It was good. It was good. The suburbs do uh, hip-hop is what it was, basically. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, everybody's doing it, I guess. <laughs> but he was he was good. So, um, But, you know, I know uh, we don't need to belabor my middle-aged uh, – Hip hop weekend. Well, I'm I'm actually curious. Is this the first hip hop concert that you've ever been to? Um, no, I've been to Eminem and Drake at ACL. Okay. Now I haven't been to like the small clubs with like Snoop because I hear he doesn't come on till midnight either. But um, yeah, I've I've seen Eminem, Drake, um, Childish Gambino, Kendrick Lamar, all at ACL. Okay, yeah. You know, it's funny. I actually saw Snoop Dogg, and it was, um, I can't remember. It was either 2013 or 2014. Snoop Dogg did a concert before South by Southwest a few years ago, like before the music part of it started. And I randomly found tickets for $25, mind you. So it's like general admission for that. So I saw these tickets. I'm like, how the hell are these $25? You know, so I jumped on it, obviously. And I got to be honest, that was without a doubt the best concert that I've ever seen in my entire life. He was amazing. Nice. You're right. He doesn't come on till midnight. And um, if you are sensitive to certain types of smoke, you probably don't want to go see Snoop Dogg because I feel like I was, you know, inhaling like secondhand smoke of something else. A I was like, am of, I contact uh, high? Like what's going on here? <laughs> a lot of medicinal things. Oh going yeah. On. Yeah. And, and it was funny because like, you know, he's talking about, you know, everyone pull out your whatever, you know, um, paraphernalia that you have on you and there's like cops in there and I'm sitting there I'm like standing there with my now husband and I'm like we're like oh my gosh like 
is this allowed? Like, what? There's cops in here. How is this allowed? This is not legal here. So we're just kind of like the dorks in the back, like, I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm staying out of this. Nice. But it was such a good concert. So if you ever get the opportunity to go see Snoop Dogg, I highly, highly recommend it because he, like, plays his old stuff. You know, um, I kind of – I don't like when some of the, like, old-school type of performers, regardless of the genre of music – tried to just like do introduce their new music and it's kind of like no like we're all here because of what you have previously done not what you're about to do so he was really good about you know playing all the classics and everything it was good so yeah that's uh i have to say ice cube same way so thank you ice cube for for playing all the stuff that uh everybody knows you for um all right so taylor interesting weekend on the 40 acres it was not good for texas men's basketball I mean, five-game winning streak. You're taking on the eighth-place team in the Big 12 in Oklahoma State. You're you're playing at home. You made videos saying, hey, come. We really need your help. We need your support. And then the fans came. Right. I mean, 12,000 fans came. Shocked me. I had the over-under at 8,000. And Oklahoma State goes on a 16-0 run barely two minutes into the game. And it was over. I mean, it's just, it's just par for the course at this point. Like, you know, things start kind of looking positive for Texas basketball. And then what was the final? Wasn't it a 22 point loss? Down 22 at halftime. They were down 27 in the second half at one point. And all the old bad habits resurfaced. I mean, guys were turning the ball over. Uh, in the 16 0 run, Texas went 0 for 5, all from 3. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State went six of six, three of three from three, and Texas turned it over four times in that stretch as well. And Oklahoma State just punished every mistake. And and so the run started, like I said, just over two minutes into the game, uh, lasted five minutes, and you get, you know, basically to the 13 minute mark of the first half, and Texas is down 20 to three. So. It, it and that that was it. They never got closer than 13 the rest of the way, and spent most of the second half uh, down by 20 plus. And so now you get Texas and Texas Tech. Texas fell to the four seed because Oklahoma went to TCU and won and overtook Texas for third place. Mm-hmm. And they are the third seed at the Big 12 tournament. Texas is the four seed and will face Texas Tech, who they lost to in Austin, beat in Lubbock, and uh, will now possibly have to beat Texas Tech to get into the NCAA tournament. I saw where Joe Lenardi has Texas as a play-in game in Dayton as an 11 seed, and Jerry Palm of CBS Sports com has Texas first four out of the NCAA tournament. So very much a question uh, for the Longhorns as to whether they are are in the tournament right now or not. So right. a paper thin margin for error for Texas. Shock of the cat smarts. Uh, nine lives better pull through, I think, because, I mean, Chip, you know, I, you would know more about this, but Sounds like if Texas makes the NCAA tournament, there's a possibility that Shaka Smart will return next season. But if they don't, that may not be the case. What What's your take on where Shaka Smart's future lies right now? Yeah, I mean, he could be coaching for his job Thursday. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it. This thing was trending towards Shaka getting fired. Right. And and then the five game winning streak happens, and it looks like he's discovered a a new personality, a new way of going about things with um, some more grit and hustle and defense and instead of the you know playing a bunch of guys who are trying to score the basketball he had some dirty work guys out there and I have to say Kai Jones played great against Oklahoma State I mean he's been part of our our blue collar lunch pail crew with Royce Ham and Brock Cunningham and Kai Jones was was fantastic I mean 22 points 8 of 12 shooting seven rebounds he he came through everyone else even Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey who've been so good just could not get it going at all I mean they were turning it over and as opposed to leading the charge and that when your best players are having an off day man that that just makes the whole bench everybody start to panic a little bit and I think that's what we saw so uh, Thursday's game against Texas Tech could be for Shaka Smart's job. I mean, it's yeah. kind of that simple. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it's it like it's so weird to me how this team is just. I mean, like I said, par for the course for sure. But it's just so weird how this team, this season, everything has gone. I mean, you know, nobody's showing up to games. It was almost every week. You know, was a viral hit about nobody at the Texas basketball games. They finally go on this run. They finally get the fan base kind of reinterested, rejuvenating that into the basketball program with the hope of making a, you know, NCAA tournament or um, getting an NCAA tournament berth. And then you just absolutely, you know, you know what to the bed. It's just like, what the heck is going on here? It's yeah. just, I just, it baffles my mind. I mean, honestly, I it, it kind of, it's hard not to kind of laugh at, you know, and I know Texas fans are not laughing. They're probably mad that I well, even just said that, but seriously, like, it's just like, you almost have to laugh at this point, but I call it longhorn whiplash. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's happening in, you know, kind of across the board in, in it's been that way in football. I mean, the 10 win season, the win over Georgia is followed by uh seven and five regular season coordinators, seven new assistants out, um, and or seven new assistants come in for uh, seven fired or whatever, however, seven assistant coaches who are no longer with the program. Then you're thinking they're going to get smoked by Utah in the Alamo Bowl, and they crush Utah. Yeah. You can't predict anything, and that's, that's not good. Uh, yeah. For an athletic director, you want to have some, some certainty and – Really, you just want to have some certainty that you're going to be good. Yeah, and consistency is so key, I feel like. And that's the, I mean, the absolute opposite of what Texas has. Texas athletics, well, I'd say mainly, you know, the major three, sports, basketball, baseball, and uh, football has been. It's just kind of, you just never know what you're going to get, you know. I mean, it's just, and you're right. I mean, you know, think about the Alamo Bowl, for instance. Texas didn't have its defensive coordinator. It was it still had its defensive coaching staff, and that defense absolutely destroyed Utah. I mean, the one touchdown that Texas gave up came on a penalty, you know, when Keandre Coburn's helmet came off, then he continued the play after they stopped him on fourth down. Then the next, you know, pass in the end zone, and uh, 
I still don't think that was actually a touchdown. They should have reviewed it because I, I thought the ball was being bobbled and then he stepped out of bounds before securing it. But anyway, still, it's like, so that happens. And then it's like, okay, so maybe these guys actually saved their jobs. And then it's like, no, no, only one of them did. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's, you just, yeah, it's like, you just never know what's going to happen with Texas athletics, I feel like. And I feel bad a little bit for Chris Del Conte because he, I, I feel like he's just always going to have an uphill battle until something changes. And I don't know if that's, you know, coaches that need to go. I don't know what that could be, but it's always going to probably be an uphill battle for Crystal Conte. But the good news for Texas fans is he's a, knows what he's doing. So, um, and you know, he's, he's proven in some of the, the few hires he's had to made have been successful. And one of those hires was Mike White, the Texas softball coach. And that is kind of, you know, one of the biggest storylines from the weekend is Texas softball pitcher Miranda Ellish throwing a perfect game and, you know, Texas softball, the rank number three, number two, and then number one, depending on the polls. It's like, okay, well, Crystal Conte got that coach in here, you know? And yeah. so that's a good sign. I definitely think. Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, I jokingly on the uh, sports talk morning show I do on iHeartRadio AM 1300, the zone, uh, my co-host Mike Harge played 13 years of pro baseball and his nickname is Hardball Harge. I'm Softball Brown because I'm all over this softball program. I mean, you you had the the wins. We were talking last week about the wins in California over UCLA on their home field, number one UCLA, and then a win over number two Washington um, in the uh, tournament, the the Judy Garman Classic out in California. And then this week, we're talking about Miranda Ellis throwing a perfect game while striking out 10 in a 7-0 win over New Mexico. And I don't care who you beat. A perfect game means you didn't walk anybody. No one got on base. Um, it's what the uh, – she's the only the fourth. In, yeah, in program fourth, history. Yeah, fourth Texas pitcher to to throw a, a solo perfect game. I mean, there have been perfect games – 11 of them for Texas, but they've been combinations of pitchers combining for a perfect game. This is only the fourth. She's only the fourth Texas pitcher to throw a solo perfect game in school history, joining Kat Osterman, who will be joining us on the flagship podcast uh, coming up next week. And uh, Blair Luna, as well as current Texas teammate Shea O'Leary, who we mentioned last week, that... uh, Mike White feels is a secret weapon uh, for Texas softball. So kudos uh, to Texas softball. They continue to uh, show that they're they're a team that's getting primed and ready to take on those Oklahoma Sooners come the end of the month. The eight-time defending Big 12 champion Oklahoma Sooners. So we can talk all we want about Texas and how great their their non-conference season is and how things are going here in 2020, but. That will be the ultimate measuring stick. They have not made a dent against Oklahoma. Uh, meanwhile, Taylor, we've been all over the, the Pete Hansen story. Right. For Texas baseball, our, our freshman who was discovered via social media, via direct message on social media. And all he did was come in and throw two and two-thirds innings of scoreless relief again. Mm-hmm. He now has 17 innings pitched 
in five appearances and still has a 0.0 ERA as Texas baseball swept the Augie series over Cal State Fullerton. Great weekend of memories commemorating Augie Garrido, who won three national championships at Cal State Fullerton before coming to Texas and winning two national championships and playing for two others. So, um, Well, and the last one that, you know, uh, Texas, well, the last time Texas actually faced Cal State Fullerton was a College World Series in 2004. And so, you know, that one didn't end in the Longhorns' favor. So I bet that was probably a good feeling for Texas baseball to get a sweep of Cal State Fullerton, who's always been a baseball powerhouse, you know, and uh, the only sport that you can probably say that for, for Cal State Fullerton. I say that as a former Southern California resident, so I'm not trying to, you know, bag on them too much, but, you know, there's no other sports there. They have basketball. They only have football program. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, Augie turned that, that's a commuter school that he oh, turned yeah. into a baseball powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And and so that, that was a cool storyline this weekend. The other storyline, though, Taylor, is that David Pierce – I mean, talked openly about the fact that he might be getting ready to make a change with his Sunday starter right now. Um, you got Bryce Elder on Friday. You've got Ty Madden on Saturday. And it's been Coy Cobb on Sunday. But uh, Coy Cobb struggled a bit uh, in this Cal State Fullerton series. He's been struggling a little bit uh, for, I mean, the beginning part of the season. And... David Pierce said, if we make a change, it will be Pete, meaning Pete Hansen. So what a story. I mean, we had Kerry Caulfield on the flagship podcast last week, who was the parent of the teammate of Pete Hansen, who reached out to Texas and said, man, how does Texas not know that this 16 and under um, pitcher Pete Hansen, you know, wants only to be a Longhorn. This guy's a dude. And if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, well, by all means, you need to go listen to it now because that's the backstory of a kid who is just fearless, Taylor. And he he pitches to contact, which is not something a lot of freshman pitchers feel comfortable with. I mean, he throws strikes and guys hit the ball, but they ground out. I mean, the guy induces double plays like you can't believe. And. And that's what he did against Cal State Fullerton. He came in after uh, Tom Adnan got into a little bit of a jam. Fullerton had tied it up 3-3 in the fourth inning. In comes Pete Hansen, and he just shuts him down. And then um, Andre Duplantier, that's the other storyline that's really emerging. Uh, another freshman who can also play in the infield, but he's – He's looking like the closer for the Longhorns. So uh, keep your eye on those storylines as uh, Texas uh, prepares to play New Mexico this weekend. But Pete Hansen and Andre Duplantier, two freshmen, making a big impact. And, of course, you know, Trey Faltini at shortstop has been playing great. They've got some really talented young players who are contributing a lot right now. Yeah. And right now, you know, Koi Cobb, has, as you mentioned, is struggling. He has a... 4.02 ERA. And, uh, you know, I think that he's had four games started. And I just, I think it's kind of, you know, I, I feel like the fact that David Pierce is so openly talking about it, I feel that this is going to happen. You know, I, I don't think that you bring something up like that, unless it's just to get under Koi Cod's skin and see if he can, 
you know, respond to the possibility of losing his starting, you know, Sunday starter role. But I feel like this is probably inevitable at this point. Maybe I'm just reading the tea leaves. I just kind of think that that kind of is how it comes off to me. Yeah, and I I should say it's it's six appearances that Hansen has made. Six appearances, seventeen innings pitched, still a zero point zero zero ERA. And uh, Sam Walbridge, Sam Walbridge looked good. Um, lefty uh, reliever got some action this weekend. And Dawson Merriman, another uh, name to keep an eye on. Uh, he's a sophomore from Greenwood, and he's looked good in his last couple of appearances. And and uh, ended up throwing five and a third innings of relief over the weekend and did not give up. Well, give up one run, one run. So, yeah, he, uh, he had four on Sunday, I believe. Yeah. And came in relief on Sunday. Yeah. And he gave one unearned run. So um, good stuff there. Texas baseball, some storylines to keep an eye on. And um, Taylor, we're going to. We're going to take some questions from uh, from our members of Horns 24-7. And if you're not a member at Horns 24-7, oh, get yourself an annual membership. And that gets you VIP access to all the team sites in the 24-7 Sports Network, including uscfootball.com, which had the great interview by Ryan Abraham with USC Athletic Director Mike Bone that is, has sent a ripple across college athletics when uh when ryan abraham asked mike bone if uh usc getting tired of sort of carrying the pac-12 brand uh, might consider going independent or joining another conference and mike bone said everything's on the table mm-hmm. and so uh you're getting that kind of great content from our other 24 7 sites and by getting an annual membership to Horns 24-7, you get VIP access to all the team sites in the 24-7 Sports Network. So we'll be taking questions from uh, from Big O 61, Texas Strong 322, and Carl Hines. So stay tuned. Um, but Taylor, uh, Connor Williams, Connor Williams, who doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Connor and I got He's to be. You're bowling, right? Yeah, we were. <laughs> We were close when he was at Texas. His family's got a great family, and and he's got a great story. I mean, you know, he's written a lot about uh, his first-person accounts of being bullied as a kid and just how awful that was. He, you know, has sort of made that his focus as a, as a professional athlete to look out for those kids. He speaks a lot to schools. Um, you know, in his situation, he was he was bigger than other kids, but he was he was embarrassed about it, and he was, you know, he he didn't really stand up for himself the way he he came to uh, as you know middle school wore on. Of course, then he became a monster. But um, you know, as a kid in middle school, he you know he told some really sad stories about you know kids inviting him over to play only to you know to steal his, you know, they'd come over to shoot, you know, Nerf guns and stuff and, uh, or, you know, I don't know what kind of guns, not BB guns, but, uh, some of those air guns guns or something. Yeah. Yeah. And only to, you know, steal his gun and embarrass him and, you know, just bad stuff that, 
left him eating in the library in middle school. Like he didn't want to risk being at a table where no one would sit with him. So he would eat in the library. I mean, these are things middle schools. I've said the worst years of your life. Cause oh, yeah, you know, some kids uh, mature faster physically, emotionally, but everybody's trying to figure it out. They're all trying to mark their territory. No one knows what they're doing. They're all, I call it my, my daughter's in middle school right now. I call it the, the idiot feeding ground mm-hmm. and, you know, not to ever expect any kind of common sense behavior from anyone. And, and so anyway, Connor Williams, what a story. He overcame all that, found his, his niche in, uh, in football. And, and now here he is with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing story. And I mean, it breaks my heart, honestly, you know, you, you hate hearing stories of kids being bullied. And when I was younger, you know, I was always like the high school I went to, um, I had a special needs program involved with it too. And it always would drive me nuts. Like even in high school, you know, there were people that would make fun of or tease some of those kids and it just always broke my heart. So I would always be the one that would like make friends with them. Um, cause it just, it's, it's so stupid, uh, you know, like, and it seems, you know, everything is so important at that time of your life from middle school to high school, you know, it's, uh, the years where you're changing every, everything about you is changing and, you know, it's, it could be devastating when that happens. And so it's, it's so great to hear that Connor Williams overcame that. And now look at him. I mean, you know, gets picked by the Dallas Cowboys, his hometown team, um, in the second round of the, uh, 2018 NFL draft, um, came into Texas as a three-star recruit, ended up becoming an All-American. I mean, just his story in general is such a great story of perseverance and such a great story, in my opinion, that any kids that are being bullied, you know, I, I hope that they come across this type of story because it just shows that you can overcome it. You know, it's so hard. It's always terrible when you get made fun of. I mean, you know, even as adults, you know, we're, we work in an industry where, we're attacked constantly on social media and on other message boards and stuff. And sometimes it's hard not to take some of that stuff seriously, but you have to brush it off, you know, know that these people would never say it to your face, but when you're younger and they're happening to you face to face, it's so hard. So, you know, I think that Connor Williams is such a great story, just a great kid, as you said, comes from a great family saying that now let's go to the phone here, Chip, and let's bring in Connor Williams, uh, offensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys. Connor Williams. I mean, I'm so excited to talk to this guy. What a what a great guy, first and foremost. I remember, um, Connor, I remember covering your recruitment, you know, three-star uh, out of Capel, and, and people weren't, you know, they were sleeping on Connor Williams. And then I remember talking to Joe Wickline and Joe Wickline, the offensive line coach at the time was like, this guy is going to be a monster because he's got great feet. He's got, uh, you know, athleticism. And sure enough, Connor Williams uh, develops into an All-American at the University of Texas. And now, of course, playing for America's team right there in the backyard of his high school with the Dallas Cowboys. Connor, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, Chip. I'm glad to be on. Hey, I'll be talking to you. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to catch up. So let's before we get to the Cowboys and all that stuff, let's go back to you know you're you're coming out of Capel and Texas is re- Texas is recruiting you, and you know what was the recruiting process like, and and why ultimately was it Texas? All right. I mean, you've seen it all, huh? 
yeah. uh, from high school and everything. Yeah, well, well, you saw, I mean, you remember me being a tight end junior year. And so when I yep. moved that switch to uh, tight end to tackle uh, my senior year, and not re- really many schools were looking at me. They weren't sure if I was going to play tight end or tackle or whatnot my senior year. And so uh, in spring ball, I got got a bunch of offers and uh, had to narrow it down to schools and and made my made my visits to all my my top schools and my parents helped me with that because it was it was a big choice between academics and also football and college life and how far away from home so a lot of a lot of family members got a say and everything but at the end it was my decision and so I had to go see the schools and and Texas just felt like home it was the place I wanted to be I mean I grew up in Dallas and so. I wanted to, I want to be a Texas Longhorn, you know, it just, it, it just seemed right. And it, it felt right. I, um, the, um, Macomb school business was huge for me. And so, I mean, ultimately that's what it came down to. Well, and you know, Joe Wickline <laughs> is a character. I mean, he is some, oh, pe- yeah. some people say he, he's no, he's not a good recruiter. Others say he is. What was your experience like with, with Joe Wickline? the salty one, uh, as far as your recruitment? Um, I mean, I think, I think coach Wick's just a, he's a different guy. Uh, he's, I mean, I think a lot of coaches kind of tell you what you want to hear and everything. And he kind of, he kind of cuts through all of it. He is who he is and he's honest with you and, uh, straight up about, about it. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. And he, and he, uh, really tells you what it's going to take for you to be the best player you can. And, I mean, that's what I loved about him. Well, it was funny. He told me a story. So, you know, he's got you committed and he's out it recruiting a junior college player, but he hadn't told you about that. But word got out and he's out in Mississippi, I think. And he gets a text from you saying, I hear you're recruiting a junior college offensive tackle and Wickline is thinking, Oh Lord, you know, now I'm going to have to explain this to this recruit. And then your next text to him was good. Tell him to bring it. And, and Wickline said, Oh my God, I love this guy. Do you remember, (laughs) do you remember how that went down? Well, I don't think I do, but uh, (laughs) I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story about Wickline. So I was, I, uh, so he was recruiting me the whole process, and and they were one of the last ones to offer, actually. And he came to my practice. He didn't really speak to me. He just watched practice, everything. And uh, and then when they finally offered, uh, I mean, we talked we talked a lot. He came and saw the family and everything. And he he really wanted me to early enroll and everything. He was telling me how there were three other tackles coming in that same year, and how I needed to kind of get ahead of the curve and stuff. And I. I was always against it until like the day I, I called him and told him I was committing. And, uh, and I was like, gosh, I guess if I'm going to do it, I mean, I might as well early enroll. And so I went to my counselor and everything got it set up. So he's actually the one that pushed me to early enroll. Well, and your brother um, is, yes. is a coach. He's a college coach, or he was. And, and take, take me through that because he ended up at West Virginia with Wickline, right? Yeah, so when um, – so me and Wickline formed a good um, relationship, and when he went to West Virginia, he knew about Dalton from Akron, and Dalton played quarterback at Akron. He was GA in Akron, and so he hired him onto the staff at West Virginia, and uh, and, and they keep a good relationship there. Uh, 
they're like-minded. They like the same mentality about it, you know, being real and what's going to take to get to the, the next level and such. And, uh, and so, yeah, they formed a good bond there and it kind of kept our relationship rolling also. How did your time at Texas prepare you uh, now, of course, uh, you know, starting for the Dallas Cowboys, the number one offense in the NFL last year? Um, how did your time at Texas prepare you for the NFL? Um, or is it just so radically different that it's just culture shock or how would you describe it? You know, I think when you when you're able to go to such a prestigious school as Texas for for athletics, I mean, it's it's pretty much a job. I mean, you're saying you're going to school, but you're going to you're going to play football in the school second. And I mean, I, I took I took schooling very seriously. I uh, I was pursuing my degree in business finance, but I mean, jo- uh, football is your number one job. I mean, you got workouts in the morning after school, during and everything. And then you're trying to find time in between that to study. And so I think when you go to a school just that big, um, it, it really prepares you because, I mean, it's already making football your life pretty much. And so when you go into the NFL, um, I mean, you're, you're pretty much used to the same things. You're used to the early morning workouts. You're used to meetings all day, practice all day, being up at the facility all day. And so uh, it's a really smooth transition being able to go to Texas and then to the NFL. Well, you've got um, you've got this. Uh, you know, let's talk about your time with the Cowboys because obviously there's been a coaching change and Mike McCarthy's coming in. But what was the biggest adjustment uh, for you your first year in the NFL? Uh, I'd say my biggest adjustment was definitely from moving from tackle to guard. I'd never played guard before, and and, and team saw me at tackle, team saw me at guard, and so going to the Cowboys. Uh, they said from day one they wanted me to be a guard, and so um, just making that transition really because I mean I, I, I personally feel like it's a whole it's a whole different game. I'd rather move from left side to right side playing guard now than I would rather move from guard to tackle, just because it's a it's a whole different game and it's a whole different it's a whole different technique base. Um, it's just it's, it's it's a big change that most people don't realize, you know. Yeah. No. You're and yeah. yeah you're out it, it tackle you're out in space and your athleticism is is at a you know is getting uh maximized inside you're you're going up against you know some monsters a different type of athlete yeah. right you're going up against guys who are just uh you know physically um well like Kwan short i mean just you know behemoths so right now that you've got some you know, seasoning under your belt, what have you improved the most uh, to, you know, to help you be the the best offensive lineman you can be? You know, I think the, the biggest um, thing I worked on from my first and second year was my strength. Um, I think that was a big thing that showed up. And I think, uh, and I think I improved a lot my second year in that. And so just really focusing on strength um, and expanding my game. I mean, expanding the, technique and guard uh, luckily i get to learn from zach martin the, the one of the best guards to ever play football and uh and he's he's very eager to coach and uh teach you and so just being able to learn from him and being able to learn how he does every little thing uh just helps you just take your game to a whole nother level what kind of guy is he connor talking to connor williams um and referencing zach martin i mean i mean he's a 
man, I, I don't even know the words to put it. He, he's a leader. He's in there. He's in there. Every, I mean, you have to, you have to race him in the building and he's, he's one of the last ones in the building. He, he works his tail off. He does everything right. He, he does it the right way. And you see wh- why he is where he is because the success, the success didn't just happen out of nowhere. He obviously is doing something right. And, and just being able to see just the, the little details he takes into his life every day from, I mean, ice tubbing to working out to filming everything. You just see why he is the pro bowler he is. What uh, what was the first thing you spent NFL money on? Did you uh, spoil yourself in in any certain way? No, not really. I, I paid off my truck, and that was that was about it. <laughs> hey, man, that's what that yeah. that's what that McCombs uh, business and finance degree teaches you, right? To be right, fit. save it, don't spend it. Save it, don't spend it. Um, did anyone make get that message across to you more than another? Um, not particularly. I think just in in uh in college, just. Um, just learning invest, investment management, learning finance. I mean, you obviously learn that and you learn that, I mean, money can go quick. And so I think that was just something I, I realized very early that I didn't have a, that I didn't really have a want to spend it when I, when I did get drafted. Well, that's, uh, that's great stuff, man. Um, cause we know the statistics of, of all the guys who, uh, burn through their money and, and end up, um, you know, broke or uh, two, three, four, five years after uh, making a ton of money playing in the league. Um, talking to Connor Williams, the All-American at the University of Texas, now, of course, with the Dallas Cowboys. And the, the Cowboys uh, bring in Mike McCarthy as the head coach. You've got a new offensive line coach in Joe Philbin. Uh, how's that transition going and what's what's been – I mean, obviously, you're not, you know, in – you're not doing much right now, but I would. You tell us what uh, what are you doing with these new coaches, and and how's that transition going? Right. Well, obviously we haven't had OTAs or anything, so the whole transition happened after the season once we were kind of out of the building and everything. And and um, I, I'm very excited. I mean, I mean, I, I I love Coach Garrett. I mean, he he's he's the one that believed me believed in me, gave me a chance. But uh, I, I'm really excited for the new approach and new approach of things. We haven't been able to um, do much with the coaches yet, but uh, coming up soon, OTAs and everything. I'm I'm excited for what the future holds. Do, do you all have you had meetings like with Philbin or with McCart? You know, with Mike McCarthy. Uh, any message that uh, that stands out to you? Uh, not yet. I think I think it's coming up in uh, in OTA when I mean we're not really allowed to for the CBA. Gotcha. Well, the number one offense, you know, the, in the NFL last year. I mean, you got to take some pride in that. And and what's your sense of of where things are with the the Cowboys going into next year? Uh, I, I'm I'm excited. Um, I think we're all we're all eager. We're all hungry. We're working hard. We um we know what t- type of team we can be, and so um we're just we're just hungry. We're nose to the grindstone, working hard. What and what's it like? I mean, here you are. Uh, you know, you've always been a head down, lunch pail grinder, just get the work done, and and you know, be seen and not heard. 
And then you play for the Dallas Cowboys, who are about as high profile a team with as about as high profile an owner as there is in sports. What's that been like for you? All right, there. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of noise outside for the trick of the trade. I mean, <laughs> even at Texas, with a lot of coverage being in Texas. I mean, once you get in the locker room, once you get in the building, it's 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 the men inside the building. It's not really the the noise on the outside. So it's about about coming together as a group it's about working hard together and and not not letting any of that other stuff affect anything well and what um you know when you outside of football uh you know you've always been a guy who's looked out for kids who were bullied and um tell us what connor williams is doing uh with your with your spare time and and i know you're always in the community right well, well, as you, I mean, I, as I'm sure people know, I'm when I came out after, after declaring and uh, and wrote an article with the uh, NFL about how, um, just about how people get bullied and uh, and the battles that kids face and how, um, who to reach to and who to lean on and and so thankfully I've been able to been able to have kids reach out to me have had parents reach out to me about their kids that are struggling just to help provide guidance to provide any moral support and and, and that just means the world to me i'm eager i'm eager to help those kids because it means so much because i mean they're hurting and they're just i mean they're just trying to i mean and, and they're not doing anything wrong they're just trying to to live their lives and it, it's very tough to see and I, and I love providing support for them and, and doing uh little events on the side that help promote um bullying awareness yeah i mean it's uh it's it's a great story and and kudos to you for sharing it because a lot of people would not think that connor williams uh would have had this this situation and so good for you for sharing it and then being active in helping the kids who are dealing with it because it's a it's a shame situation and it doesn't need to be. I've got a 12 year old daughter. I think middle school's about the worst time of your life because everybody's you know bodies are changing. Everybody's trying to mark their territory and and exactly. some kids and just, definitely with today's social media. I mean, uh, it's even getting worse. Man, so good for you for doing that. Thank you, thank you. Now, what what does Connor Williams do for fun? What what's your what's your passion outside of of uh, of football let's see uh i cook a lot nice, like to cook. nice. yeah you got any, you, like shows on cooking try to educate myself <laughs> you got a go-to dish um you know i make a mean chicken piccata oh nice yeah but i change it up every once in a while do you do you bring do you bring the guys over the offensive line over do you guys you know in college you tend to hang out together, right? Does that happen? Right. In, does that happen in the NFL? I mean, guys are married and all that stuff. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, it doesn't happen as much just because with families and everything, but we, we have a really good group of guys and we try really hard to stay around each other and, and take trips together, do dinners together and, and just really like a team outside of the building. And so we, we do a really good job with that. Okay. T- tell me about a trip that, that you guys have taken. Uh, I mean, last year we went went down to Key West, Florida, on a, about a, a weekend trip, just just fishing, 
you know, shooting the shit, just having fun. And um, it was all a good time. That's cool. That's cool. What what are their what are the personalities like you mentioned Zach Martin? Um, you know, what about uh, Tyron and and uh, and the rest of the guys? Yeah, that, I mean, uh, they're they're all their own people, you know. We uh, we obviously live live lives outside of football. Some have families. Some some are single. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all one big family, and we all love each other. And of course, Dak Prescott. Everybody wants to know. Uh, I'm not going to ask you about his business and his contract and stuff like that. But what's he like away? What's what's he like away from the from the cameras? Dak, I mean, he's a he's a great leader. He he uh, he makes everybody feel comfortable. Everybody feel part of the team. He's he's not higher than life. He's he's a great leader. Leader, very humble, uh, big family guy, big in his organization, and uh, and so just having a leader like that, I mean, it's just so easy to follow on game day. All right, and I'm sure you're you know you're following the Longhorns. Um, you know Sam Ellinger back for his senior year. A uh, lot of lot of starters back. Got a couple new faces that are going to have to emerge on the offensive line. Maybe Denzel Okafor. Um, you know, you you watching the the Longhorns? What's your what's your view from from Big D? I I definitely try to keep up when I can. I mean, uh, I, I'd say probably well, there might be like a fourth of the team, a third of the team still there that I played with, and so I, I like seeing the the familiar faces, but. I definitely like keeping up with them. I'm definitely keeping up on the guys in the combine that uh, I performed in the combine and and this upcoming draft. And uh, I don't know. I'm re- I'm really excited for this season. I think this season's going to hold a lot of of uh, what the future holds. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's a good way to put it. Um, you get a road trip to LSU, but LSU just lost 16 starters, including the Heisman Trophy winner. So could right. be could be an opportunity for the Horns. Um, Connor, what else? I, you know, I, I really appreciate the time. People love catching up with you. Um, anything else on your mind? Um, you know, I, I don't want to leave anything out. Uh, no, not really. Just glad, uh, glad to be able to talk to you. Glad we could set this up. Yeah. And uh, this is a great time, obviously, because once OTAs start your, your year, just you, you look up and it's January, right? Right. It's busier and busier. Well, listen, man, best of luck, always continued success. Uh, you're a great story. You're an inspiration. You're looking out for kids who uh, who need to be looked out for. And, man, just uh, continued success, and let's stay in touch. Thank you, Chip. means a lot. All right, Connor Williams, folks. Um, and we roll on. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? (laughs) Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Always great to catch up with some former Texas football players, especially a guy like Connor Williams. He's, as we mentioned, leading into the interview, such a great 
you know, story with him being bullied and um, just overcoming that and just kind of being a, a great beacon of hope for kids that are in that type of situation. But we, we teased it. We want to go to our questions now. And they're all football related. So it kind of works going from Connor Williams to Texas football questions. Let's start out here. So we had both Texas Strong 322 and Big O 61 ask questions about defensive lineman Myron, My, Myron Warren. And uh, the question Big O said is, what position do you think Myron Warren ends up at? Yeah, and, um, and Texas Strong 322 just want to know how he's developing. And he's developing well. Right. He's developing well. Um, he, you know, came in as a defensive end, but he's, he's grown into a tackle mm-hmm. and I'm hearing that, you know, the coaches are kind of projecting him at nose tackle before it's all said and done. Now, look, you've got Keandre Coburn, who's I think developing into uh, a draft pick and depending on how, how far he jumps this year, uh, he, you know, he, he may not be around uh, Texas too much longer. So um, there's going to be playing time available. You always need depth on the defensive line, but uh, they like Myron Warren. The, the, the words I get are probably a year away, which is not a surprise when you look at Keandre Coburn, um, you know, Moro Ajomo, Tavandre Sweat, who, who broke on to the scene last year as a freshman, those guys, um, you know, playing in those defensive tackle spots. And then you bring in uh, Vernon Broughton and uh, Alfred Collins is a defensive end. Uh, And I hope they leave him there because man, he is, he kind of reminds me of Tony Brackens a little bit, but I think they like the way that Myron Warren is developing. Uh, I'm hearing a year away and don't be surprised if just because his body's trending that way that he might end up at nose tackle. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think entering spring, he's probably, I would say, third on the depth chart, would you, like, at defensive tackle behind yeah. Graham, Daniel Carson, and then Myron Warren. So I think, you know, that I agree. It's good to hear you say that. From what I had heard, you know, he's probably entering as a third string guy going into spring football kind of see what happens, you know, how that plays out with their being a defensive tackles coach now. Um, and Mark Hagan from uh, Indiana, who used to also coach at Texas A&M. So that's, you know, good stuff there. Um, now, speaking of coaches, some of the new coaches that are on staff, Carl Hines asks, after changing coaching staff, is Tom Herman on the right track? I think so. I mean, I think so. I think I've said this before. That when Tom Herman went to Houston, he would not have been able to lure Mike Yursich from Oklahoma State at that time to go to Houston. Right. He would not have been able to lure Chris Ash from Ohio State to go to Houston with him. So, um, you know, could Tom Herman have made those changes when he went to Texas in in 2017 yeah but a lot of times young coaches stick with loyalty um that's that's just a thing and we've seen it over and over again as we've mentioned before nick saban um you know kind of went with what he knew 
Kevin Steele, Major Applewhite, when he he took over at Alabama, and then quickly made changes to to Kirby Smart and Jim McElwain and and Dabo Swinney changed out both of his offensive and defensive coordinator within two years of taking over the head coaching job at Clemson. And we know certainly Brian Kelly uh, after the 2016 season going four and eight that he changed out his coordinators and uh, had a 10 win season in 17 and a 12 win season in a college football playoff season in 2018. And Tom Herman just spent some time with Brian Kelly up in, in South Bend, Indiana, which I, I thought was very promising. I mean, that, that's a, that's a conversation you're having if you're looking in the mirror. And I, I've said Tom Herman may not always tell you exactly what you think the reason is for, for him making a decision. Um, like bringing in Mike Yersich as the offensive coordinator, but he had the self-awareness to make the decision. And right. so I think that's where, uh, that's where we are. And I, I think everything I'm hearing about Mike Yersich and the way that he's running things and the way the players have just trusted him, I, I feel really good about that hire. And I think Chris Ash is a, is a tough, hard-nosed, smart, uh, defensive coordinator who I've said on the flagship podcast and on horns 24 seven um, is sort of, you know, won me over because he loves him some Chris Brown. Who's, who's <laughs> my guy. So I, I like, I like where things are going. I, and I think that uh, um, I've said this, Tom Herman's teams are tough. They are physical and they don't get blown out. And so, they fight. They fight to the end. And I think Tom Herman uh, may have been a little slow on the change, certainly as, you know, as uh, on offense, uh, knowing that he had taken over play calling two years ago. Right. But he made the change. And and so now with a talented roster, there, there are going to be high expectations. And I think there should be high expectations. I agree. I mean, there's – and plus, one of the most experienced – rosters returning in the Big 12. I mean, Texas has 16 starters from last year's team where, you know, Texas entered the 2019 season definitely overhyped. I mean, we were very cautious to say this is a potential Big 12, you know, championship or college football playoff New Year's Six Bowl type of caliber of a team because they had to replace eight starters on defense. And I don't care how talented you are. If you have to replace that many starters on one side of the ball, you're going to probably have some ups and downs. So, yeah, there's no reason, in my opinion, right now that Texas shouldn't be in contention for the Big 12 title in 2020. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see because, you know, Chip, ever since Tom has been a head coach, the majority of the assistant coaches that he let go of have been along for the ride, both at Houston and then at Texas. So I'm actually kind of curious to see, OK, let's see if Tom Herman's teams truly are strong or we'll see how much the other assistant coaches may have impacted that or touched yeah. I should say. Yeah. Yep. You got to surround yourself with alphas. A's higher A's, B's higher C's. Mm-hmm. Taylor, great stuff this week, my friend. Um, great stuff with Connor Williams. And thanks to our Horns 24-7 members who threw us some questions for the flagship podcast. We invite those questions every week. So um Good stuff. Tell your friends and, of course, tell your friends to become an annual member 
at horns247.com so you're getting VIP access to every team site on the 24-7 Sports Network. We'll have a ton to talk about next week because we'll, we'll have some idea if Texas basketball is sinking or swimming and, um, you know, if there's any pitching change in the uh, starting rotation for the Texas Longhorns and, of course, the incredible story of Texas softball rolls on. Uh, Taylor, you're the best. Taylor Estes, thanks for all you do at Horns247.com and for the flagship podcast. And we'll talk to you again next week, everybody. Have a great week.